Hello, ho, 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 and welcome to here's Johnny's Reviews and my continued look at Festive Funnies, which is my look at Home Alone, Christmas Vacation, Jack Frost, and today's movie, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Coming out two years after the cult classic that is Home Alone, and making star Macaulay Culkin a household name, this is Chris Columbus's follow-up to the smash hit Home Alone, with a budget of $18 million and pulling in a huge $173.5 million, coming from the pen of John Hughes, the voice of a generation. Here it is, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Starring Macaulay Culkin, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, Catherine O'Hara, John Hurt and Tim Curry. The plot, one year after events of the first movie, Kevin McAllister is once again separated from his family as they go on their Christmas holiday. Kevin finds himself in New York as the family is in Florida. However, these same stupid campbellers are now escaped from jail and out looking for a revenge. The movie opens up on a John Williams score and then onto the snow falling titles which are quickly encased or enclosed even by the New York skyline. One thing, how can he be home alone if he is not at his home? Then onto the ridiculously huge house in the uber-rich Chicago suburb. Then, much like in the first movie, I think I was seeing this quite a lot actually, shots of the 500 plus family members running around, packing their stuff for their Christmas vacation to Florida. And then onto sociopath uber-brat Kevin McAllister, played once again by McCullough Culkin, as he's sitting on his mother's bed playing with a talkboy Walkman. And note, this was only a prop and didn't actually work. However, seeing money to be made, Tiger Electronics rushed these into production and I think everyone I knew had one of these things, except these things were utterly useless and barely recorded, and what they did play back sounded like absolute shit. Hovering behind him is his mother, Kate, once again played by Catherine O'Hara. Yes, you've guessed it. The smart-mouthed little twerp starts talking back to her. And this was kind of cute the first movie, but now Culkin looks like he's a teenager and it is no longer working. Even though it's supposed to be a year later, it in reality, it is two years. And Culkin is 12, pushing 13, not 9, pushing 10. Anyway, they argue over Christmas trees and why they're going to Florida for their Christmas vacation. In walks his dad, Peter, played again by the late John Hurd who unplugs the alarm clock to recharge the camcorder and then plugs it back in, but oh no, it's flashing 12 o'clock. How would they get up in the morning, my lord? Okay, I get this is supposed to be funny. If you squint while drunk in a darkened room without your glasses are upside down, but Kevin walks in in his uncle in the shower and records him singing badly with a smirk on his face. Eh? Why didn't the uncle lock the door after all there's dozens of kids running around and B why did Kevin stand there to record him singing what is wrong with this little boy I mean oh yes I get it that later on in the movie the same song recording is played back to Tim Curry's concierge but did he have to stand there in the doorway with a cheesy little smirk on his face because he just held the recording device in his hand sort of sticking it through the door sort of thing instead of just standing like a little pervert like he is anyway Onto a Christmas pageant at the local Catholic school. As Kevin, in no way miming, sings a stupid song about Christmas trees, and no doubt this would have been banned today, as Christmas is a bad word in 2017 in some circles. 
Now, don't get me wrong here, I am not a great fan of Christmas, as it starts far too early. Hell, this year it started in late July. Well, at least the shops started putting up their Christmas tat. In fact, most stores only had a teeny tiny little corner of the shop having Halloween items, where it had three to five Christmas rows. This should be stopped. Christmas should start in late November and finish in January, not starting in fucking July. Uh, moving on. Anyway, back to the movie, as I can rant about Christmas all day long. Buzz, played again by Devin Rattray, being the ever douchebag older brother that he is, makes fun of Kevin behind his back, and this causes the entire crowd to laugh at him. So Kevin, ever level-headed, knocks him out, causing the entire choir to fall down and the entire set, and it trashes the Christmas pageant. Uh, what a great role model we have here in Kevin McAllister for little kiddies. Mm. Back at the house, uh, the family is holding a family court. Wait, what? Where Buzz fakes apologises to the entire family and Kevin for his stupid behaviour at the pageant. Kevin, the other brat, goes off on this big idiotic family for believing Buzz's BS and then calls his uncle a cheapskate for milching on his younger or older brother, so it's not actually quite sure, I'm guessing younger brother, for paying for this entire Christmas vacation. And then storms off into the attic. So, much like the first movie, there it is again, that magic phrase. Kevin wishes he can go on holiday all by his lonesome. And that night, one blows a newspaper, stating the wet bandits have escaped jail. The next morning, surprise, surprise, the family sleeps in. So you're telling me, in a family of about 500 people, no one took a wind-up alarm clock or set a watch just in case this thing happened? I mean, come on, really? This next year and the same shit happens? If I cry not loud. More rushing around like headless chickens, except this time Kevin is in the minivan going to the airport. Much like in the first movie, a mad dash happens through the airport and the family barely board the plane. Except for Kevin, he boards the wrong plane. And how the hell did this happen? Okay, this is well before 9-11, but come on. No one checked his tickets. Okay then, he's on a plane to New York after lifting the family's entire holiday spending money, which looks like about two to three thousand dollars. Again, a great role model for kids here, first lashing out with his fists and now stealing. So now lost in New York, as the family is in Florida, where the movie now pulls its fifth, fourth wall break in about ten minutes. The mother starts to panic. Again, world's worst family. Wouldn't you have checked, double checked, hell even triple checked, even stuck the little brat Kevin on a fecking leash before boarding the bloody planes for crying out loud? Kevin realises he's in New York and asks the ticket clerk where he is and she indeed says he's in New York City. Spot Alishidi as the ticket clerk and note she was supposed to play McCulkin's mother in this but she was given this bit part in the sequel. Lovely. As a great agent she has. Moving on. So instead of telling her his family is in Florida and he's in New York by mistake, he just breaks the fourth wall yet again. Okay, quit it, you little shit. You are not Deadpool. Quit staring at the camera and smirking, you f your mother. Uh, trying to keep this PG, John. Keep it PG. Now, crossing the Brooklyn Bridge in a taxi and how in the great... Hell, did a nine-year-old get a cab in New York City in 1992 for goods? Keep it PG, John. Mm. 
He goes sightseeing in New York, all alone. So you're telling me not one cop in New York saw this little kid wandering around all on his lonesome and stopped to ask him if he was okay? Mm. Anyway, he continues to go and sightseeing, even going as far as taking pictures from atop of the Twin Towers in New York. Something I thought could never actually happen. Hmm. Back in Florida, the parents report him missing, then explains to them this happens the previous year. Okay, social services, social, uh, say that again. Social services should be called as they have lost their child twice in two years. Arrest these bloody parents and stick the kids in bloody social services. For our own fucking good. Meanwhile, back in New York, Kevin wandering around with thousands of dollars and has not been mugged yet, okay then, just walks into traffic, almost getting hit by a seafood truck that just so happens to have Marv and Harry in it, going into New York. Harry once again played by Joe Pesci, and Marv once again played by Daniel Sturm, back with Kevin, now in Central Park, where he meets the old man Marley of this movie, the Pigeon Lady, pulled by Brenda Fricker, of My Left Foot, so married an axe murderer, and British TV hospital drama, Casualty. And gee, I wonder if she'll scare Kevin, but deep down she's really nice and helpful. Much like the first movie, there's that magic phrase again. He runs off scared. Then in a population of how many millions during Christmas no less, he bumps into Harry and Marv. Kevin books himself into one of the biggest, most swankiest hotels in New York, the Plaza Hotel, after getting easily away from Harry and Marv. And it is the start of Donald Trump's media whoring, as he has a whole 30 second cameo. And how does a man with no political experience become President of the United States is beyond me. I don't care if it says in the Bill of Rights or the hell it's written down that any American can become President, it should say at least 5 years experience in any political agenda. Or area even. But anyway, enough of why America's going down the shitter, and back to this movie. Kevin books himself into an overpriced room by tricking the booking clerk over the telephone using his handy talk boy. This somehow works? Thank God common sense kicks in in the form of Tim Curry's concierge. Tim Curry, the star of Rocky Horror Picture Show, a movie I'm going to cover soon for my podcast, Clue, Legend, and of course Pennywise in It. No, not the terrible 2017 remake, but the 1997 so-so TV movie. He doesn't believe Kevin's stories, even after trying to outsass the desk clerk, played by Dana Levy, of Color Purple, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, and Adam's family, also The Help. Back in Florida, the father notices Kevin has all the money and credit cards, so the cops alert the credit card company to be on the lookout. Tim Curry gets his lackey, Cedric, played by Rob Snyder, of Judge Dredd. No, not the great one with the guy from Hercules, I can't make a name. But the Sly Stallone one. And the two terrible Deuce Bigelow movies. To check up on Kevin and find everything about him, Cedric shows him the presidential suite, because why not, and how much did this bloody room cost, on to Kevin using the hotel facilities, aka the pool, and watches another fake black and white movie of a gangster, or the sequel to the movie in the first movie, because it's funny right, because this is now the sequel to the classic movie, oh god whatever. Well, wolfing down junk food, again, how much did all this cost? Get in that night, as the New York Sky lights up for Christmas, Tim Curry, you know, 
I should actually find out who this guy's character's name is. Give me a second. Ah, there we are. It is Mr. Hector. Checks out to see if Kevin's dad has checked in. So Kevin runs around putting on the shiver and plays back his uncle from earlier. In about 40 seconds, Kevin had the time to rig up this blow-up clown in the shower and puppet it. Okay then. Right to then. This, of course, scares off Tim Gurry. Back with the family. Ah, to check into a rundown motel, and it's pissing it down with rain. Meanwhile, in New York, Kevin finds his father's file fax and sees that one of his many uncles stays in New York. Handy that, much like an original, where one of his uncles just so happens to stay in Paris. Oh god, this movie is basically a cheap photocopy for god's sake. What did the bloody guy do? Photocopy the script and add bits and pieces here and there, and Tipex were crying out loud. Next morning, Kevin wakes up and stiffs Cedric yet again on a tip, as earlier he gave him a piece of chewing gum instead of giving him cash. Okay then. <sighs> Dear God, he goes on a shopping trip, taking a limo. Wait, a fucking limo? You have got to be kidding me. Just how rich is this bloody family if you can afford to... Oh, moving on. Oh. Kevin once again tries to talk his way out of having to get his father to come down to sign for the bills, but Tim Curry doesn't believe him, any of his sass, and checks up on the reservations and trips the police trace on the credit cards, telling him it is stolen. So, in the back of the limo, while wolfing down a plain cheese pizza at God knows time in the morning, Kevin acts like his shit don't stink, spending his daddy's money, as the limo takes him to his toy store. Meanwhile, Harry and Merv plan on robbing the same toy store that night. Onto Duncan's toy chest. And for a toy store, there is no bloody toys. It's all Christmas displays and decorations. The old man running the till, just so happens to run the place also. Ask Kevin where his parents are, with the ever wise-ass, smart-talking, little shit-talking way out of it. Then the old cashier tells Kevin that all the money in the till is going to a kiddie's hospital. B.S. A huge store like this must have had a huge Rent, especially being in New York City. So you're trying to tell me this guy has a multiple story store and is going to give his entire Christmas Eve takings to a charity? I think not. As Kevin leaves the store, he just so happens to bump into Harry and Marv. He screams at the top of his voice and then hightails it against traffic down the street into the hotel where Tim Curry just happens to be waiting outside and takes a credit card off him Kevin Howard runs into the hotel, where he baseball slides past Cedric and the checking in clerk, uh, makes it to his room and then steals cookies. Again, what a great role model for Kid. He's now shoplifting. For God's sake. I'll have to see Kevin today. You know what would be a junkie? I mean, in and out of jail, in and out of whatever. I mean, with multiple kids and who gives a crap. Maybe he'll turn into the real McCulloch Culkin, a complete junkie little loser who's sued his family for billions of, millions of, billions, millions of dollars, so who gives a crap. With security breathing down his neck, Kevin pulls the same VHS trick from the first movie, playing back the black and white gangster movie and skidding them all off. Kevin then runs straight into the hands of Harry and Marv, where Marv spews out to Kevin their great grand plan to rob the toy store all the while, Kevin is recording us on his talkboy. Hmm, handy that. Kevin escapes from Harry with ease, so runs off into the park where he escapes on a horse-drawn carriage. What? Hmm. 
back with the family as they're all huddled around a bunny-eared TV watching It's a Wonderful Life, this time dubbed in Spanish, much like the first movie where it was dubbed in French. The police call to tell them Kevin is in New York and has run up a huge credit card bill. Later at night, Kevin makes his way to his uncle's house and wouldn't you know it, the place is a dump. So instead of calling the cops to tell them about Harry and Marv's plan, although shit just sets up traps because why wouldn't you? Much later that night, Kevin wanders the streets all alone in New York City in the 90s and no one mugged, raped and or killed him. Yeah right. Kevin gets scared by the whole place, so holds a taxi cab. However, the taxi driver looks like the cabbie from Scrooge, a movie I covered two years ago, check my archives, stepbrother from Hell, so spooked he runs off into Central Park, where after feeding a pigeon, he bumps into the pigeon lady, this scares the little deer, and I swear to god he screams for like a full minute at the top of his preteen voice, and it's like flitty nails doing a chalkboard. She helps him out, but not saying thank you to her, he just runs off and then turns back to talk to her. So she gives him a grain, some grain rather, to feed the pigeons, which he does, and then takes her for cocoa. Okay then. She, however, takes him to Carnegie Hall to hear some classical Christmas music. It's here she tells this strange little nine-year-old all her worries and woes, like you do. And he tells her some bullshit story about rollerblades, then leaves her with hope in her heart that people can be trusted and loving. Okay then, I'm going to drop my mouth, frankly, this is saccharine crap. Kevin then leaves and heads to the Children's Hospital Clinic of town. He then remembers about Harry and Mars' plan and runs to the toy shop to stop them robbing the place after waving hello to a little child who looks sick in bed. Again, why not just call the fecking police and let them do their bloody job? He arrives at the toy store and uses some construction tubes to climb into the store. Wait, is he part hamster? No wait, scratch that. Nope, he climbs into his uncle's empty house. And much like an original, he sets up traps or operation ho ho ho. Right down to the bloody crayon drawing of the house and the layout and all the traps. Really? The exact same setup for the first movie, a long, boring setup, and showing just how bratty Kevin actually is, but he has a heart of gold, he's a little angel. Mm. Then, 50 minutes of him outsmarting two of the dumbest criminals in the world, right down to the bloody paint cans. Yawn! I swear to God, did Chris Columbus just photocopy the original and change some bloody details? Oh dear god. <clears throat> On two shots of the little psycho setting up his traps. Meanwhile, back at the hotel, the family, well his mother, has it out with Tim Curry and a hotel staff. So you're trying to see me on Christmas Eve, she got a flight for the entire family of 15 or 16 people from Florida to New York in no time whatsoever. Right then. Now with midnight approaching, Kevin sneaks up to the toy store and takes a photo of Harry and Marv stealing the store's cash. Then puts a brick through the window and just runs for it. Great role model. Wait, what am I saying? Nobody gives a rat's arse. Moving on, John. So it begins as Kevin springs his little traps, first sending Harry flying into the air on a seesaw into a car roof, probably breaking his ribs. With not one, but two photographs taken by Kevin, he runs to his uncle's house, where seconds earlier his mother was. And what would happen if she tried the door and org into the house of horrors? Probably dead. Because unlike bloody 
Harry and Marv, she is not in this for comic relief. Good sake, saccharine bullshit. Anyway, Kevin gets back into the house, the same he got in the first place, and then throws bricks down at Harry and Marv from the roof, which would have killed these two idiots dead. Standing in the middle of the street, yelling at the top of his lungs, does Harry threaten to shoot Kevin, yet no one yells him to shut up and or call the bloody cops in this rich suburb of New York, facing Central Park? Ooh, right then. With Kevin running down bricks, all hitting Marv in the head, Harry runs around the back, leaving the burly conscious Marv. Note, Marv drops the bag of money, but never actually picks it back up. With 30 minutes left of slapstick violence, it can begin, as Marv gets shot in the balls with a nail gun, probably losing a testicle. Harry skips out the back, finds a window open, so tries to climb up the fire escape ladder, however, Kevin has greased it as he falls onto his back. Marv kicks in the front door and falls three floors straight into the basement, probably breaking his face and every rib in his ribcage and or neck. As outside, Harry tries again to get in, trying the back door, which is which he opens only for a bag of spanners to fall on his head, probably breaking his skull multiple times. Now both inside and it's back to Harry as he sorry, it's back to Marv rather, as he slip and slides on some green ooze straight into a bookcase full of paint cans, all which land on him, probably breaking everything on his body. Harry now comes to, and is inside, and is wary of more traps, so scouts the place out. Back with Marv, as he's trying to wash off the paint. Too bad, little psycho Kevin has hooked up the sink, the only sink in the basement that is, with a battery, and instant death as he shocks the poor idiotic Marv. Marv, however, just gets shocked, turning into a skeleton, because that's funny, right? Meanwhile, Harry gets his head set on fire yet again, so dunks into a toilet, too bad it is full of gasoline, and it blows up sky high. Marv somehow comes to, to pull a rope, which pulls in a bag of cement, which drops on his head, no doubt killing him from the five-storey straight fall. Uh, Kevin McCallister, ladies and gentlemen, an icon to a generation of kiddies, and no wonder millennials are so bloody bratty. I was going to swear there, but I'm going to try and keep this thing PG-13 as possible. A hard PG-13 at that. Dear God. Harry and Marv now join up and chase Kevin through the house, only to be paint can bombed, which they don't fall for this time, but they do fall for getting a column straight to the face and fall down the three-story fall back into the basement and then the column smacks them in the genitals because that's funny right once getting back out of the basement they chase kevin into the attic and it's a tool kit found on the stairs running him over now outside on the roof kevin shimmies down a rope and when harry and marv fall him, he sets a light. They fall the five stories straight down onto the pavement and falls more paint cans to cover them in paint. Finally, Kevin calls the cops and then leads the two idiots into Central Park where the pigeon lady covers them in seeds and about 300 pigeons die bomb them. Note, one went in, actually went into each of the actors' mouths and caused chaos on the set. Kevin lights fireworks, the cops show up and arrest them with Marv spewing out their plan to the cops and saying how they're no longer the wet bandits but the sticky bandits. Meanwhile, in Times Square, it shows the mother running around like a madwoman searching for Kevin. Wait, why didn't Kevin get picked up by the cops again? Hmm. Kevin says a prayer to a Christmas tree 
about how he wants his family back, and he says sorry for acting like a little douchebag that he is. Somehow, the mother finds him and to hug and make it back to the hotel. Saccharine nonsense. Next morning, Christmas! God, that was terrible. Christmas time, mistletoe and all bullshit. The whole family wake up in a room full of presents, and how the hell the presents get into the hotel is beyond me, and whether who they're from is also another mystery. As the family turn into their free junk they got from who knows, Kevin goes outside to greet the pigeon lady. A very a merry Christmas. The room service bill comes and it's over $1,000. What the f- as credits roll. So that was Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Pretty much a carbon copy of the original, with less charm and more smarm from Culkin. I'm going to give this thing 5 gold rings out of 10. Come back next week for Jack Frost. No, sadly not the horror movie, but the kiddie movie about a talking snowman. Then following that, it is Christmas Vacation. January is on couple movies such as The Fog, Christine and Prince of Darkness. February is Final Destination. March is musicals such as Rocky Horror Picture Show and Little Shop of Horrors. Don't forget to share, leave a like, comment and subscribe to my SoundCloud. Also follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod. Or email me with suggestions to Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com. Check out my franchise podcast of Gremlins, Star Wars, Mad Max and more. Also my solo podcast of Batman Returns, Die Hard, Lethal Weapon and many more. And a bye bye.